right, welcome to the Aging Hipster Podcast with Toby Crines and Bob Serrano. We've got a couple special guests here. We've got um, Jim Crines, author of many books, most recently one about uh, Bull Durham. And Jim, what were, what were a couple of the more recent ones as well? Well, I think we're still working on the history of County Stadium, which is what I'm most excited about now. And that's how I met your other guest, John Adams. So I'll let you take it from there. All right. And then we have John Adam here, who uh, very happy to have him on. He uh, was the head athletic trainer of the Milwaukee Brewers for 20 years uh, before moving over to the Expos. And um, for a couple of years, he had... Um, Previous history in the minor leagues as well, both as a head trainer. And then prior to that, he was actually a player uh, in the Angels system. So uh, really excited to have John Adam here. Um, I wanted to uh, just get started, John, with that. When we look at those years, 1981 through 2003, you were there for, uh, you know, kind of the pre-80s, which I don't know if I'd call small ball, but... um, uh, definitely a certain era of happening there into like the, the mid to late eighties, like kind of like the drug addled doc Gooden era, <laughs> the amazing sure. Mets, And then, uh, you know, then we got Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, steroid ball. Um, and then into, you know, kind of the current era as we get into the early two thousands. Um, can you kind of just kind of tell us about how the game has changed from your perspective? Um, being somebody who is hey, well, deep in it. Sure. Uh, I think it's, you know, when you talk about the years 81 through basically 2001, which were my uh, whatever years that were, how many, uh, with the Brewers, uh, I mean, that really encompasses uh, the baseball strikes, uh, a lockout, um, some really contentious times between uh, players and the owners. And, uh, you know, well, what was it? Was it 94 that there was no World Series? Um, so there were some big times in the game itself. Uh, then you mix in there in the early 80s, you know, you had a couple drug scandals. And then, um, like you mentioned, in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, the um, performance enhancing drugs um, era, if you will. So um, got to see a little bit of it. But I tell you what, those were two great decades in baseball. Uh, because so many outstanding players from Yount, Molitor, you know, McGuire, Bonds, uh, Clemens, Nolan Ryan. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, and, uh, but the evolution of the game is on so many levels. Uh, we can talk about the stadiums, uh, the big league stadiums, how they've changed so much. You know I mean, what, I how love, many... what I would love to start with is the trainers. Yeah. How, tell me about the evolution of trainers. Uh, that, that's a great story. Uh, that's a great question for me because the evolution of the athletic trainer, you know, I, I think most people go to a baseball game, whether you're a fan or not, and all of a sudden you see maybe a collision in the outfield or uh, somebody slides in second and someone's hurt. And all of a sudden, who's this guy with white pants on or whatever and running out there to help the player? You know, who is he? And, I think that's where it all starts for the fan is, you know, and then he's helping the player off and he's helping them out. And, you know, the, the word trainer, just trainer denotes so many different things, but now, you know, they're, it's, they're referred to as, you know, athletic trainers and we're all board certified. We've all have, you know, at the very minimum, we have, uh, you know, bachelor of science degree. I think most of the guys in the big leagues now have a master's, uh, some of them are dual. Some of them are physical therapists and athletic trainers. 
And it's really grown a lot since I would say it started around the late 70s. And it's just, uh, I think, for the most part, the athletic trainers on every major league team and even trickling down to the minor leagues um, are just so well-educated and um, just well-taught. And in um, treating injuries and doing the rehabilitation of their of their baseball players. And the, the scene that comes to mind for me, uh, we had talked earlier about um, the, the slap shot scene where the trainer is carrying all the equipment bags, and, <laughs> and who knows if he has any actual like medical knowledge. Um, yeah, back uh, then, no. Um, <laughs> you, you, you know, uh, it, it's. Um, it, it's just grown so much by leaps and bounds for the good, for the good of everybody, for the game, for the athletes themselves, for getting quality care. And, um, and the, you know, the training staffs, the medical staffs on every major league team are the biggest they've ever been in the history of the game. And that, you know, I, I, I say that out of one side of my mouth, but then on the other side, we've never had this many injuries in, in the history of the game. So it uh, makes you shake your head a little bit, like, hey, what are we doing wrong? What are they doing wrong? I'm no longer in it now, but, um, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, there's, when I was in the major leagues, it was the head trainer and he had an assistant, period. And then towards, you know, then it was, okay, we had a strength conditioning guy. And so, okay, there's three people. Um, and we took care of the whole team, you know, coaches too if they needed it and now you have three trainers and then they have an intern and they have a physical therapist and they have a masseuse and they have a chiropractor they've got a mental coach i mean it goes on and on besides besides the team doctor uh-huh. who's you know usually an orthopedic and then they have a uh, a gp also so uh, the medical welfare of the players is um, is really well taken care of now, and that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. And how, how about the facilities, like uh, for the trainers and the medical team? Like, how has that changed? Um, maybe just in your time in the league? Oh, just I mean, Old County Stadium in Milwaukee was much like a lot of the other old ballparks, whether it was you know uh, Tiger Stadium or the old Comiskey in Chicago or. Um, the trainers' rooms were an afterthought, and it was like, okay, we have extra space here. We'll make that the trainers' room, and then if there's somewhere to put a whirlpool, we'll put it there, and just enough room to maybe put two treatment tables, and you can put a small cabinet in there to put your stuff away. And it was pretty tight back then, and um, but you know, everyone made the best of it because that's really what everybody else had, also. And then I would say. Oh, so somewhere around the early '90s, the new, all the new ballparks started coming in, and the you know the locker rooms were bigger. They were nicer. The stadiums were nicer. It was just much. It was laid out. It was just so much more functional. I think of places like Camden Yards and the ballpark in Texas, you know, for the Rangers and places like that. It's just such a big improvement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I'd like to take a step back and kind of look at your career because um, I, I was just fascinated to learn all the the twists and turns it's taken. So you were in the you're a young buck in the uh, late seventies. You're uh, drafted by the Orioles in the sixth round. 
Um, yeah. Actually, the early 70s, I went in the 72 draft, and um, uh, 72 draft, yeah, six-round pick for the Orioles. I signed out of high school, and that was the start of my uh, well indoctrination into pro ball, and I uh, loved it. You know, I was like every other pretty good high school player. You know, you think it's going to last forever, and uh, and it doesn't, and it comes to an end for some 20 years later, some 20 weeks later, you know, it just really changes. And with me, um, I had injured my elbow. Um, and, uh, and I just, I, uh, since I was, um, lived in the Los Angeles area, um, my second year I was with the angels. And so they sent me to Dr. Job, the, the renowned orthopedic and, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the one who invented the Tommy John surgery. And I went to him and he examined my elbow and I'll never forget. I'm sitting in his office after the exam and he's you know we're talking probably 73 now and it's early 74 and uh he's dictating he's holding this microphone and dictating on, onto a tape recorder his findings his impressions of my right elbow and i'm thinking to myself wow what a cool job he's got you know he gets to work with all these athletes and all this and blah 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 and so it was pretty evident I, I wasn't going to be able to pitch anymore. So I, I went to college and um, took up um, athletic training and uh, got my degree in that. And um, right before I graduated, I contacted uh, the scout that had signed me uh, and um, just asked him if he knew of any opportunities and how I would go about it to get in the game. And uh, we had a nice conversation, and uh, he told me just – sit tight. He goes, it sounds like you've changed, John. He goes, uh, sit tight. I've got some things working. At the time, he was with the California Angels. And sure enough, a couple months later, uh, Harry Dalton at the winter meetings left the Angels, went to the Milwaukee Brewers. And he took this particular scout with him because um, that's how valuable he was. And I interviewed for a job to be a minor league trainer with the Brewers. Um, they hired me in 78 and I worked in the Midwest league and good old Burlington, Iowa. Uh, and then the next year I was in the California league in Stockton, California. And the third year I was in Holyoke, Massachusetts in the good old Eastern league. And then suddenly out of the blue, the major league trainer at the time, a gentleman named Kurt Rayer, really nice man, uh, just resigned out of the blue. And um, they needed uh, a young trainer to help out an older guy that was helping out as, as a trainer in Milwaukee. And uh, so I was hired. Wow. I have to interject one thing here, Toby. I've lived here most of my life. And, John, you came here from the coast. Talk about your first impression of the Midwest and the cheesers <laughs> when you came up here to Wisconsin. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a guy that grew up in Southern California, and and now you come to Milwaukee, and you couldn't get more opposite on every level. The weather, the people, I mean, everything, you know. Um, you know, I, I would, you know, as years went on, I would just shake my head whenever somebody from Milwaukee would talk about, uh, you know, and, and only – as only they can, you know, talk about that 94 and uh, you get on the 94 and he's coming into the stadium. She's busy as hell, backed up, 
And I'm thinking, you have no concept of <laughs> what real traffic is. You, you go to Los Angeles. Try that one, pal. Uh, you know. Well, what about, John, what about when it's like 40 degrees here and they got their shirts off in the stand? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think there's a reason that the good Lord made it so cold in Milwaukee. They don't, he didn't want people to, t- you know, take their shirts off, you know. It, it, it's something. And, it, and it, you know, I used to just look up in the stands, you know, during BP and right before the game, and I'd look up there and I'd comment to, whoever was standing next to me, whether it's the manager or one of the coaches, the players, I'm going, this is the only ballpark, County Stadium's the only <laughs> ballpark that you could look in the stands and probably 20% of the fans on a cold day are wearing a, a Packers jacket. <laughs> it's like, if this is a baseball game, you know, come on, have a little respect for the team, you know, but it's, I swear to God, it's the, only stadium that that happens. All right, since you, know? you brought that up, mention the Phil Garner story in the stands, the one you told me. Oh, God. you got to tell so, that one. <laughs> here's the story, and, and, it, and it doesn't put me in a good light at all. Now, granted, <laughs> I, I have two daughters, okay? And, uh, and Phil has two sons, and he, he has a daughter. Obviously, his kids are a little older than mine, certainly. Uh, but so one day, it's right before game time, right as we say, be right a little bit before the stand-up song, so before the anthem, and we're just looking up in the stands, and it's a beautiful sun, Sunday day game, and we're just kind of looking around, and I'm making wise, wise-ass comments about the fans and how they look and what the hell are they thinking and, you know, this and that, and Phil's laughing, and all of a sudden, I, I look to my right, and I look behind the seats behind home plate. And that's usually where the family section or the guest sit there. And I look up there and I see this younger girl walking down the aisle towards the seating. And I just, she just catches my eye. And I went, holy shit. I said, Gar, check out that girl with the green, tucked in green t-shirt. Check out the rack on her. And I'm, and I'm just going, man. She's really nice. Look at, and all of a sudden I stop and I look. Phil Garner is like three inches from my face staring at me. And I went, well, what's your problem? And he goes, John, that's Bethany. Well, that was his daughter. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and, and I went, oh, my God. I said, Gar, I swear to God, I didn't even realize that. You know, I hadn't seen Beth, and I hadn't even seen her that season yet. So she had obviously matured a little bit. And so to this day, every time I see Phil and Carol, his wife, they still give me grief over that. Oh, and I, I just went, I, you know, that's the only time in my life I've made a comment like that, you know, and and it just it came around to bite me. Yeah. <clears throat> Hey, uh, hey, John, I have happens. a question for you. Yeah. Um, can you just kind of des- describe like what a typical work day as a trainer like during the season would look like? Sure. For, for a home game, uh, 7 o'clock game, let's say. You know, first pitch is at 7.05. Um, now, it used to be, <laughs> it used to be uh, like all during the 80s, the 90s, and even into 2003, my last year. You know, if I got there about one thirty in the afternoon, give me plenty of time to get there, get undressed, put my stuff on, 
and walk in the trainer's room, uh, maybe return a call or two, although I would always do that on my own time, um, and um, just start waiting for the players to come in, start treating them, start them on an exercise program, you know, whatever each individual needed maybe. Um, and that's how the day started, and guys would slowly start, you know, dripping in and you know whether it was taping ankles whether it was addressing a shoulder problem with one or maybe you had a couple guys on the disabled list and so now you're going to spend a little extra time on them obviously and treat them at that time early in the afternoon and then maybe treat them again during batting practice since maybe they wouldn't be going outside anyway and then treat them possibly during the game depending on their problems, severity of the injury, how close they are to coming back off the disabled list, that type of thing. So you're busy all day long, you and your assistant or whatever. Uh, but nowadays it's changed. And I know in talking to guys that are, you know, guys I still know in the game, they go, John, we got to get there by noon. We, we show up for a seven o'clock game, 12, 12, 15. And there's guys there. And I know for a fact I had a, there's an equipment man for, uh, in the major leagues. He told me, he goes, John, I show up for a day game at noon, a little before, and I've got no less than eight guys waiting at the door for me. Baseball players? And he goes, and maybe one of the eight is actually a player. <laughs> the rest are maybe a couple trainers, uh, <laughs> maybe the strength conditioning guy, maybe the assistant, uh, strength conditioning guy because everyone has an assistant uh the video coordinator and maybe three coaches and maybe one player and as soon as i let them in the door boom the first thing they do they go and eat because the new basic agreement uh, that the players have is they get three dedicated meals breakfast lunch and dinner every day at the ballpark uh, made by a chef, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, you know, it's like, you know, so, not all, but some, you know, wh whoever the personnel is, if they don't want to spring for breakfast on their own, no, they'll wait till right at noon and they'll have a late breakfast, if you will. And then, you know, after batting practice, they'll have a meal, maybe lunch. And then after the game, of course, they'll crush a spread, you know, the, and so, yeah, after the game. Yeah, and so you mentioned earlier when we were chatting that uh, the guys don't get out around the town as much, um, but you used to. Um, can you talk, uh, tell a story about um, how you used to check out barbecue with Davis Love? Well, that, that was on the golf tour uh, when I worked on the PGA after I left baseball. But, um, but in baseball, I mean, it was like a fun thing to do. I mean, you know, guys would, you know, we go on a road and whether you're in Chicago, I mean, you're in these great cities. Why wouldn't you want to, you know, at least, you know, have breakfast at the hotel you're staying at? Or if you're in Chicago or Boston or New York or, you know, some neat city, I mean, why not walk up the street or go somewhere and have a nice breakfast? But it's really not what guys do much anymore. Are, are they just in their hotels, just like um, up? Yeah, they'll just stay in the hotel, um, and they'll, uh, you know, or they'll just wait till they get to the ballpark. Maybe you know they'll sleep in late, and you know if they sleep in till ten, they get up, get ready, and hey, okay, I'll just go to the ballpark around noon, and 
I'll eat there. John, what are the couple your couple uh, favorite cities to go and eat at? Well, you, you know, I was a, um, and I still am. You know, uh, I, you know, I would always go for uh, a early morning jog when I get up in the morning, and then I'd eat. And usually, uh, our routine was I always when we went on the road, I always had a connecting room with our uh, travel, with our um, equipment man, Tony. And so Tony was a couple years younger than I, so. Uh, I was much more of a morning person, so um, I would get up early, I'd go jogging, I'd come back, and as soon as I'd come back, he'd hear me, and um, we'd take turns, either he would call in for room service, and he'd just order breakfast for us, so that'd give me time to shower, come out, and then we'd just have breakfast. Uh, Or sometimes we would just go downstairs and, you know, eat in the the hotel cafe, and uh, we'd have breakfast, go back up to our room, make phone calls, you know, I'd, I'd call doctors. Um, if we were on the road, I'd maybe call our team doctor and update them on what's going on with the progression of someone's rehab. Or, uh, But we were busy all morning, right up until the time where it's like, okay, and many times with the Brewers, we had uh, early hitting. So we'd have to get to the ballpark a little earlier, but even early hitting then, I mean, so we'd leave at one thirty or 1 to the ballpark depending how far it was from the hotel. Hey, Toby and Bob, I, a couple of weeks ago. I'm sorry, John, you asked me what Bob Euchre was like. Bob spent 20 years with you. Can you talk about Euchre a little bit? Oh, Bob, Bob was, you know, Yuki was always the same. He was always great, um, funny, obviously. But, um, you know, my first few years, you know, Bob always threw, um, he'd always throw around a batting practice during spring training. You know, my first couple of years, he always did. You know, um, uh, he was really involved that way. And, um, you know, uh, on flights, um, he was always good. You know, when we'd fly from on road trips, he was always good and engaging. And uh, he'd always be funny in the clubhouse. And, you know, he was always there on the field during batting practice, as you know, Jim. And um, he was really open with players. You know, he was a little closer to some players than others. And, but my first few years, I mean, geez, he was just one of the guys back then, you know. And then he became a big star. Did you ever get Mr. Belvedere's uh, autograph? <laughs> <laughs> no. Did no. you ever no, post his you know, poem he, about he, that? You, you know, I'll tell you one thing. This is a great story. I, this just reminded me of it. We're in New York, and we, we have a Saturday day game. And... Um, Friday night, uh, Tony, um, Yuki asked Tony and I, you know, Tony, our equipment man, and I, hey, what are you two boys doing uh, Saturday night after the game? You know, after the day game in New York uh, on Saturday, what are you guys going to do Saturday night? You got a big night planned? And we said, no, not really. And he goes, how'd you like to go to watch the taping of Saturday Night Live? And we went, really? Yeah. Now, Granted, now, Bob had hosted the sto- uh, that show once, you know, mm-hmm. so um, he goes, hey, let me work on it, blah, 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 I'll get you guys a couple tickets maybe. So sure enough, Saturday day game's over. He goes, hey, here, um, here's the address. Go to Rockefeller Center. When you get up there, um, ask for, I forget the lady's name, and just go up there. Okay, great. Sure enough, Tony and I go there. We go. 
we go up to the ticket window and we said, Hey, we're, we, and we asked for this lady and the guy kind of looks at us and he goes, well, who told you to ask man? And we said, Bob Euchre. And he goes, Oh yeah. Okay. You're the two guys. Okay, great. Sure enough, this lady comes down, she grabs us. She goes, Hey, here's your two tickets. She goes, why don't you just stand over there? So she brings us inside. I look at, while we're waiting, I look at the back of the tickets and our tickets say, Special guest of Lorne Michaels. Wow. And I, I showed it to Tony, and I went, wow, this is going to be great. <laughs> so they kind of, you know, just kind of usher us off into a kind of a side waiting area. Just, you know, there, there must be 30 people, maybe 40 of us, you know. And we're waiting there a while, and all of a sudden um, somebody comes out of a side door and says, all right. They said, uh, thanks for everybody waiting here. Um, I just need to sh- um, just uh, raise your hand. What are the special guests of Lorne Michaels? I look at Tony. He looks at me, and I'm like, awesome. That's <laughs> us. Oh, that's so great. Just as we're raising our hand, so did the other 38 people. <laughs> 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 so... So I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So we end up, it was fun. We're in the first row of the balcony there. And um, some the special guest host that night was a woman that we had never heard of. And uh, I had heard just a little bit about her. And it was a woman named Oprah Winfrey. Oh, oh my God. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, it was uh, it, it, it was fun how they do it, how they film it, and how yeah. fast paced it was. Uh, but that, that was a neat thing for him to do, and you know, it's just one of the many things he's done for us. So wow. he was always nice to me. I remember Bob. Yeah, always a good guy. He's not mm-hmm. dead, right? I mean, he's still around. <laughs> he's still around. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sounds. Yeah. I didn't know Oprah uh, was a guest host there. I didn't either. Yeah, yeah, yeah crazy. man, that was that's going way back. I, that had to be in the eighties. Yeah, had to be like her only time uh, late, too. Late, late eighties, maybe early nineties. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Toby, uh, are right. you okay if I start this quiz? Uh, yeah. So uh, you got one more. I'm gonna no, that's all good. I'm gonna play the uh, the game show intro, which is our standard ten thousand dollar pyramid. Okay. It just isn't fair. If I'm <laughs> going against John, I already lose. There's no fucking question about it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop the game show uh, intro music. Let's do this. Did it play? I don't hear it. Oh, I did play it. Um, Oh, I know. You didn't hear it, but it came through on my end. I guess you got to believe in it enough. That's all that's the important thing. (laughs) I don't know how to take that when he said it came through his end. (laughs) Uh, You're the trainer. Check it out. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, we, yeah. we uh, run a tight ship here. Tight ship. <laughs> yeah. You don't even know what's happening. It, okay. All right. So I got three categories here. And we're just going to kind of alternate. We'll start off with John first. The first category is going to be career leaders for the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, God. Oh, boy. All right. Okay. All right, John. Um, this is the all-time leading win-loss percentage pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Who is he? Uh, I'm going to venture a guess and say Teddy Higuera. Ooh, close. He's number two, but it is a certain person that uh, starred in Major League named Pete Vukovic. Pete Vukovic. Oh, was it Vukovic? Okay. 
Good for him. I would have okay. gone with Aguera too. Yeah. Yeah. Point okay. six. Yeah. Uh, Vukovic was point six uh, zero six. Higuera was point nine uh, five nine five. That's interesting. Fo- yeah. Followed All by right. Chase Anderson. All right. Okay. All right, Uncle Jim. Yeah. The all-time. This is uh the batter. He's been hit by the pitch the most while playing for the Milwaukee Brewers. Who is he? Oh shit! It might be Prince Fielder. Nope, he's number three. You want to try another, another question, another uh, guess? Who the hell's three, John? No, he he said Field is yeah, number Field, three on the yeah, left. Oh yeah, I'll three, take John. one more guess. I'll say um, the most hit Brewer, um, uh, Boomer Scott, George Scott, could it be? Nope, uh, John. Did you want to try steal? I'll give it uh, a shot. I'll, I'll just uh, I will just say Molitor. Nope, it is Ricky Weeks. With Weeks got hit a lot. Yeah. Hey, while you're on him, was he hurt a lot, John? Was Weeks hurt a lot? You know, I, he was there right after I left. Okay. So I, I, okay, I I'm sorry, him. Bob. I didn't mean to jump on that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then he started getting pummeled by baseballs. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> hey, John, John, who was the most, uh, the most frequent visitor to your uh, the training room over the course of your career? Uh, well, obviously, your monitor got hurt. Um, several times, but when he got hurt, it was usually the real thing. You know, it yeah. was, it was the real thing, you know, so it was like two weeks on the disabled list, you know, whether it was his elbow, whether it was a uh, uh, hamstring groin, whatever, you know, a broken finger. Yeah. It was a malady. Okay. okay John, this is in Austin. I don't know who else. Who was the biggest pussy? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, there's, Man, nobody jumps out at me. Honestly, <laughs> nobody jumps out at me. All right. Um, yeah, definitely wasn't Ricky Weeks. He was just getting <laughs> hit. He was, he's taking it. <laughs> and, and John, All right. Uh, Go ahead. I, I do want to get back to the the quiz show, but um, uh, will you share a little bit of the difference between the the Brewers uh, organization and how they treated you know the disabled list and whatnot versus your experience on the Expos? Well, we had when I the two years I was with the Expos, two thousand two, two thousand and three. Uh, you know, it, it, those were really that was that was a blast. Those guys they played really hard. Um, you know, guys like Jose Vidro, Orlando Cabrera. You know, those were all star middle infielders. I had um, Bartolo Colon won twenty games one year for us. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero. Um, you know, Javier Vasquez. I mean, we we really had some good ball players. We had maybe one or two guys on the disabled list. I mean, those guys really played. You know, they they reminded me. It, it's funny. Um, they were like afraid to get hurt, whereas those a lot of those Milwaukee Brewer teams I had in the late nineties. I mean, it was just like everybody was on the DL. Oh, my shoulder hurts. Okay, put them on the DL, you know, type of thing. Um, but uh, uh, the, but the uh, I was really impressed my two years in uh, Montreal, just how hard those guys played. And you know what? They played on really crappy AstroTurf there at that Olympic uh-huh. Dome, right. our home stadium. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, those were good teams. I, I really enjoyed my time there. All right, sorry, Bob. Back to the game. All right, back to the game. 
We'll cue some sound. Just believe in it because obviously it's all make believe. Anyways, um, all time leader for the Milwaukee Brewers in at bats per strikeout. This guy not strikeout. Uh, I'm going to say Molitor. Nope. It is Fernando Vina. Oh, really? Yeah. Followed by Ted Simmons and Jim Gantner. Oh, shit. I would not have thought Vina or Simmons at all. Yeah. All right, and then this one's for Uncle Jim, all-time leader, Milwaukee Brewers, and ERA. Um, shit. I'm not good at this. I'm just going to say Ben Sheets. Ooh, he was I, I would have said Higuera again. He was third. You guys, uh, one more. One more uh, it's not guess. Higuera? Nope, he's three. Um, I don't know. Fingers? Does it really fit your count? No, uh, maybe. Uh, Dan Plezak. Oh, you know Plezak really well. Sack man. Well, you know, I'll you tell know. you something about Sack. The best kept secret in, in Brewer history, I think, is the fact that Plezak made three consecutive all-star teams. And nobody ever brings that up. I didn't even know it. <laughs> Why is that? There you go. I, I don't. I don't think Celix knew it. I, I don't think anybody <laughs> knew it. <laughs> it, it it's amazing. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, I did the All Star Game. I represented the All Star Game. We were in the American League, 1988. We're in the, that old crappy ballpark in Cincinnati, the one that was like an ashtray. <laughs> and I think now you can look this up, but I think that's the first year that they did the home run contest, you know, pregame. And it wasn't organized or anything. It was just like, hey, they want to do a home run thing. And I'll never forget Griffey and Puckett just on a whim. Oh, who, who's going to do it? Okay, no, 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 you go first. It was like kids in the backyard. <laughs> awesome. And I'll never forget, I watched it from behind home plate um, with my back up against you know, the, the stands there, you know, as far, you know, like a pass ball would hit, you know, back there. I sat with um, uh, Ripken Jr. Yeah. He and I sat back there and a couple other people. And we just watched it. It wasn't, you know, Canseco was in it, and he just hit monster shots. Well, was that when um, he was all... And I think the, uh, the Big Herb was in it, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, anyway, to get back to Plesak, we... We show up to the game, and, and Treble Horn, who was our manager with the Brewers at that time, Treble Horn was one of the coaches. Tom Kelly was the manager of the team that year, the American League squad. We had a great team. Um, and, uh, and But we were represented there by um, Treble Horn as a coach. Molitor uh, was on the team for us, and, uh, and Plesak, I think, were our only two guys there, I think. And so... Um, I show up Tuesday to the All-Star game because we had a brief workout on Monday. Um, and I said, uh, hey, Sack. And he goes, yeah. And, and I go, you're not going to believe this, man. I had a dream about you coming in the game. And he looks at me and he goes, don't tell me that. And I went, I swear to God, I wouldn't make this up. And he goes, okay, how'd it turn out? And I said, <laughs> I said, you come in with the game on the line and you've got to face strawberry. 
And he goes, you, you know, and he's cursing me and he goes, oh man. And he goes, well, how does it turn out? And I went, you know what? I can't remember. I woke up <laughs> and he goes, oh man, how, how can you do that to me? Blah, blah, blah. So we laugh about it a little bit. Sure enough. Uh, day goes on. Uh, Tom Kelly gives a great pregame speech before that all-star game. He gives a great talk. The starting pitchers in that game are Clemens for the American League and Doc Gooden for the National League. Wow. Yeah. So Kelly goes, hey, hey, everybody, I just want to say a couple words. And I'll never forget this. And I'm, I'm sitting next to uh, Mattingly, Winfield. I mean, th- this is just a who's who. Uh, Alan Trammell was there, although he couldn't play in the game. He was voted on, but he had a little elbow issue. So he, he, he was there, but he couldn't play in the game. I do remember that also. And Ricky Henderson's there. And okay. So Tom Kelly goes, okay, listen up. He goes for the first half of the game. I'll have my coach, uh, Rick Rennick is going to be given the signs at third base. So give him a look. We're going to make them real simple. Rick, what are the signs? So he goes through them really quick and he goes, uh, he goes, now I guess everybody knows that you know, it, 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 it's an all-star game, guy. So, um, 2-0, and of course, everyone's taken, okay? And as soon as he says that, Winfield comes out of his chair. And he goes, what? He goes, I added, you know, two inches length of my bat and dropped two ounces. I didn't do that to take. <laughs> he goes, this is an all-star game. I'm swinging the bat 2-0. and and Kelly looks at him and he goes, well, you know what? Two and oh, we're taken. And he goes, uh, that's how it is guys. That's how we're going to go. Uh, I want to really, he goes, I know they say it doesn't mean much, but it does. We're representing our league here. And he goes, shit happens fast. So this is what's going to go on this first inning. Ricky's going to get on base. Molitor is up second. Paulie. You're going to take the first pitch so Ricky can steal the base. And then you can swing away. And so, boom, boom, boom. So the meeting ends. My locker's near Polly's. And I walk by him, and Polly looks at me and he goes, uh, I don't know about taking that first pitch. If I, I, I may take one, but hey, man, if I see something I like, I'm swinging. <laughs> sure enough, Ricky gets on base, and Paulie took the first pitch. So uh, we end up winning that game. Believe it or not, um, uh, what's it? Terry Steinbach hits a home run against Doc Gooden, and we win 2-1. to one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. The game's going on and on. And then, like most all-star games, it's starting to drag a little bit. All of a sudden, I see Tom, uh, Tom Kelly go out to the mound. Next thing I know, he's taking the pitcher out. I look down. Here comes Plesak in from the bullpen. <laughs> and as he's coming in from the, on the uh, left field side, he's glaring at me. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm, and I, and, you know, I'm on, I'm on, you know, one edge of the dugout and, and I'm looking at him and he's, and he's looking at me the whole way to the mound. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell's his problem? You know? And I kind of, kind of smile and kind of nod my head towards him and he's not, he's, not, he's just he's staring at me. 
And all of a sudden, I look over. Yeah, now coming to play, Daryl Strawberry. Oh, oh no, shit. I'm like, holy shit. Oh, so here it is, God. the lefty-lefty matchup. And if you ever get a chance to watch a film clip of that at-bat, it is unbelievable. Uh, I don't know if they even timed the pitches back then, but he was well into the 90s. He throws the first fastball for a strike, and Strawberry's face, he steps out of the batter's box, looks at the umpire, and says something. If you read his lips, like, holy shit. Wow. <laughs> and he gets back in there, and Plesak strikes him out. No shit. Wow. And and that was the last out of the inning, and Plesak comes off the mound straight into the dugout towards me, just cursing me the whole way. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. What a great story. Oh, that's what a yeah. great story. But, um, yeah, just, uh, I don't know why that just all of a sudden came to my mind, but then to this day, please, I can, I laugh about stuff like that. Was, yeah. He had a, a fan. He had a long career. He played. He really did. Career. He bounced around after he left us and, um, to many teams, but uh, he ended up in Philly yeah. and here's your trivia question. What? And you'll win a lot on this one. <laughs> he pitched the last out. At Old Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. How about that? And you know what? Uh, the manager, who was the old manager there, the old Philly guy? I can't remember his name. Kind of a red ass type of guy. <laughs> anyway, uh, he was the manager. He was the manager, and he told Plesak earlier that day, the last day of the season, he said, Sack, I think you earned this. You're going to be the last one out there tonight. And that was, that's a huge honor. Yeah. You know, and, um, oh, yeah. yeah, so that, that was, uh, can, uh, John, whenever I talk to you, the thing that always doubles me over is when you start talking nicknames that guys get, can you talk about a few of them? I know you call Raleigh fingers, a certain name and, and Gorman calls you some of the nicknames and how they came up with a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Raleigh was, uh, usually, I mean, if you know, well, you know, Waldo, I don't know how he got that. I think I think Gorman gave it to him, Gorman Thomas, because Gorman prided himself on giving nicknames to people. <laughs> it, it's funny because just to aggravate Gorman Thomas, who was you know former American League home run champ, you know, quite a player with the Brewers, but um, to really piss Gorman off, all you have to do is call him Gordon instead of Gorman <laughs> and act like you did it accidentally. Hey, Gordon, could you? And, oh, my God, he'd get. And, and we used to laugh because we'd go on road trips and we'd go to Kansas City or something. And, you know, there'd be a couple dozen Brewer fans by way of Kansas City, and they'd be all excited to meet him, and they'd be yelling during batting practice. And they were so excited, they would be yelling, Gordon. Uh. And we'd be laughing, and he'd just be steaming. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Waldo for um, Raleigh Fingers and um, I mean, and some are pretty fingers obvious. Would re- fingers would refer to Sal Bando as Fat Boy. <laughs> Never called him Sal, just it was Fat Boy. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, well, there's a million. Paul, uh, uh, Robin was. Um, uh, a lot of the uh, the older players um, and uh, the Latin players would just call him Tito. 
and it was Spanish for because he was smaller for Robin Tito. Oh. So they would just cool, they would just shorten it to Tito. Wow. But um uh I think what uh and then we had a relief pitcher who pitched a long time in the big leagues, but we had him for a short time in Milwaukee, like a lot of other guys. And uh Jim Kern, he was quite the character. And but Jim Kern's nickname was Emu. Yeah. And because he was tall and lanky, and when he'd run in the outfield, like pregame, he looked like a big emu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny. Uh, uh, but um, we had a pitcher, a Latin pitcher, uh, named Angel Miranda. I don't know if you remember him. He pitched about two, three years in the big leagues with us. Angel Miranda. And he was quite a character. And his nickname was <clears throat> Chimmy. That was his nickname, Chimmy. So he makes the team with us one year, coming out of spring training, and not too many people knew him on the team. And uh, some of the Latin guys would, you know, obviously they call him Chimmy, and then they draw it out and they call him Chimilon, Chimilon. And so after, you know, after a while, you know, the Anglo players would say, "Hey, man, uh, I'm so and so." How you doing? What's your name? And hey, I'm uh, I'm Angel Miranda, but you can call me Chimmy. And inevitably, the guys would ask, "Well, what does Chimmy mean?" And he'd look at him and go, "You know, I I don't know. He just mean Chimmy." <laughs> and so guys are like, "Wow, that's weird." The guy doesn't even know what his nickname means, you know. <laughs> so so this goes on and on. And so now we start giving him a hard time about it. And so I'm like. So I, I'm talking to Chimmy, and I'm saying, hey, Chimmy, how can you not know what your <laughs> nickname is? You know, I mean, what it means, you know? I mean, come on. you got to make up a story or something. And he looks at me, and he smiles. He goes, hmm, really? And I went, yeah, man, you got to make, you know, so guys will like that, man. Really? Yeah, man. I think that's what I do then. <laughs> sure enough. Sure enough, a few days later, we make a transaction or something. So we call a kid up from AAA, and it was right out of a bad B movie. It's batting practice. Batting practice is over. Everyone's just starting to come back in the locker room, and this young kid is introducing himself to some of the established big league players, and he comes up to Miranda, and he goes, Hey, I'm so-and-so. And he goes, uh, and Angel looks at him, and he goes, yeah, I'm Angel Miranda. Uh, you call me Chimmy. And the guy looks at him and he goes, Chimmy? He goes, okay. He goes, well, what does Chimmy mean? And this devious little smile comes on Miranda's face and he goes, it mean real cool guy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, there you go. Real cool guy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but no, uh, nick- nicknames are good. Uh, but the all-time, the all-time great nickname, we had a long-time coach with the Brewers, Larry Haney. I don't know if yeah. Jim, do you remember him? Yeah, I remember Larry Haney. Mostly, he was a, a bullpen coach with us. I think one year he was might have been a yeah. pitching coach for some reason. But anyway, <clears throat> Larry was a nice guy. But Larry was known, and this is the all-time greatest nickname, Topper. Nah. That was his nickname, well, Topper. 
No one called him Larry. No one called him Coach. No one called him Haney. It was Topper. So my first big league spring training in good old Sun City, Arizona, I'm like a week into it. And I keep hearing Topper. Topper. Well, Topper said this and blah, 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 going on and on. Finally, one day, uh, I stopped Jerry Augustine. And I go, hey, Augie, uh, someone said to take this out to Topper. Oh, who's Topper? And he looks and he smiles at me, kind of laughs, and he goes, you don't know who Topper is yet? I went, no. And he goes, it's Larry Haney, man. And I went, well, then why Topper? And he goes, oh, you haven't talked to him much, have you? And I went, no, not really. Sure enough, Larry was the guy we all know that if you, that you worked with and you come into work and you tell him, you're not going to believe what I saw. You know, I saw, you know, three wild pigs run across Main Street. Larry was Topper. You know what? That's amazing. But a year ago, there was a herd of pigs I saw, and not only were they pigs, but they were, you know, and he would talk it. And he did that daily. You couldn't tell a story that, that he didn't top. So to this day, to this day, uh, uh, I still say, well, hate to be a topper, but and then I'll say something. You know? And so... We laugh about it all the time, but God bless Larry. <laughs> but that is a great nickname. Well, you have two nicknames. You're Quincy, right? Quincy and Beldar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gorman's the only one that called me Beldar. And then Quincy, yeah, I, to this day, uh, Fingers calls me that all the time. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where, how'd you get that nickname? Well, Quincy, well, my name's John Adams, so I guess they just thought the uh, second president of the United States. Uh, and then Quincy, at the time, back in the you know, early 80s, there was a TV show called Jack Quincy. Yeah. Jack Klugman um, did it. And so, yeah, there you go. That's that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right, John, yeah, I have another super obscure question for you. Yeah. You ready? Okay. In yeah. 1998, the Brewers joined the National League. In yeah. their first game as a National League team, can you name either the leadoff hitter? Or starting pitcher, or both. This Ooh. was played on March thirty first, nineteen ninety eight, at Turner Field against the Atlanta Braves. Mm. Man, uh, ninety eight. Uh, you were there, probably, right? Yeah, oh, I, I know I was there. I, I remember. Um, this is off the wall. I remember it because right after the anthem, like for the big show thing, they had one of those hawks or something fly in from like the highest part of that stadium, like up in the upper right field corner or something and zoom down on the, like somebody was holding a piece of small piece of meat at all, <laughs> on the pitcher's mound. And he came in and swooped down and got it. I do remember that, but weird things you think of. Um, I'm going to say somebody like um, big daddy, Jeff D'Amico. Nope. It was no. our, it is my favorite brewer, Fernando Vina, leading off and playing second, yeah. and Cal Eldred. Oh, okay. oh, he was big corn or something, wasn't he? What they yeah, call yeah, corn, corn fed? Corn fed. Corn fed. <laughs> corn fed. <laughs> mm-hmm. God, he See, could crush I, a spread. He could crush a spread. <laughs> <laughs> well, he actually did pretty well. He was pitched six in- innings, gave up five run, uh, five hits, one earned run. Bob Wickman though gave up. Uh, 
the win. Uh, he lost the game in the bottom of the ninth. Did he uh, really? Uh, I remember Wickman. God, w- w- yeah, Wiki had a nasty sinker. Man, he yeah. he really had a good sinker. Um, uh, yeah, and he was a Wisconsin guy. Yeah, we'd piss him off and always say he was a youper. Get oh. all mad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, now, John, yeah, you, no, you, I liked Wiki. Were you ever able um, to sit in at batting practice, like at practice or something? Again, you know, uh, did you ever do anything like that? Uh, what What do you mean? Take some swings or yeah, just yeah, exactly. Walk? Like, 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 you know, oh yeah, with yeah. The in fact, the whole time and, Treb, the whole you know. time Treblehorn was a manager, and this is why he was Treblehorn was my favorite manager. Um, well, not the only reason, but um, for early batting practice. So at two in the afternoon, when you know we get the same three or four guys taking early BP somewhere, um, I'd always throw batting practice for the first couple guys. Oh shit! I'd throw BP, and then Tony, our equipment guy, would throw BP a little bit, and then the last couple hitters, um, maybe Troublehorn himself or one of the coaches would throw. So we took a lot of strain off the coaches' arms by doing well, that. Do you see that these days, John? I don't. I can't oh, imagine heck, that no. happens too much. No, no. Well, are you kidding? Nowadays, they'll just hire somebody to do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody else. Yeah, they just hire warm body. to do it. Oh yeah, that's right. They have to. They don't just take like a jugs machine or something out there and just like. Or that. Fire yeah, yeah. Um, I want to be conscious of time. We have about two minutes. Maybe uh, the last thing here, uh, John. If you want to just maybe share like yeah. one of your most uh, glowing memories from all your time in baseball to kind of close us out. What was that? You broke up a little oh, bit. Uh, I would love to hear just, we have a, only a couple minutes here, and I, I maybe to close this out, you could just share one of your favorite memories um, from all of your your career in baseball. Boy, it was, uh, there's so many of them and so many good friendships. And I, 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 you know, one thing I do want to mention is, you know, of all the players I had over 24 years in the big leagues, I, I, the guys that are my all-time favorite guys, just, as people and, you know, that type of thing. It's got to be Yount. And here's a name for you, Hideo Nomo. Oh, wow. oh yeah. Yeah, Nomo-san. So a kid, that's Robin's nickname, you know, kid and, and Nomo. And, you know, Vladi Guerrero. Oh. What an outstanding individual. And those are three guys that just come to mind that are just, you know, and even though the guy was a bit of a ball buster, um, BJ, mm-hmm. BJ's sure got a good heart. Yeah. Yeah. BJ's got a really good heart. Um, uh, but those are guys. And you know what? Vonnie's got a good heart too. Yeah. Greg Vaughn. Um, and yeah. we, we, t- we talk a lot still to this day, but I just wanted to mention that, you know, Robin just so humble and modest and, uh, just he—he's done so much for so many people that nobody knows yeah. about. I've never heard uh, a bad word spoken about the guy in 25 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, no, kid is—he—he he is something. But, um, but as far as a, um, you know, uh, a quick story to end this, uh, <laughs> I'll give you one. And he, this is not Milwaukee Brewer later related, but uh, one of the great things about being with the Montreal Expos was my manager was Hall of Famer Frank Robinson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frank is the most sarcastic person you've ever met in your life. And man, he could be hard on people, and he was. And um, 
And I was lucky enough that we always got along, he and I. And, uh, and I'd get on him a little bit. And he, you know, every once in a while, though, he'd look over and he'd go, okay, John, like, that's enough. You know? And so, um, so we used to play this game on flights because I'd sit near across the aisle from him on our charter flights and I'd joke him and I'd always give him a ribbing about the old Negro league and things like that. I'd bring up off the wall names like, Hey, you remember old Bob Boyd? Now that was a ball player, Frank (laughs) first base. Wasn't he come up with the Orioles a little bit too? Now that was a ball and old pumpsy green with Boston. And I'd come up with these names and he'd laugh and, and he'd go, how the hell do you know that? And then we had an old black hitting coach with the Expos, uh, Tom McGraw. And McGraw was from L.A. area, too. And so McGraw would get a kick out of it, too. And, and you know, McGraw would always laugh. And, and he goes, you know, and McGraw would always go, where the hell are you from? And I'd tell him what part of L.A. I was from. And he goes, well, that that answers it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you grew up right next to Compton and yeah. And so, and, and you know, and, and Frank made his home in the off season in Los Angeles. So we had a lot in common, blah, blah, blah. So, so that was always a, a running joke with Frank and I, I'd bring up an old ball player and I, and then we'd end it with, now that was a ball player. <laughs> you know, I, I'd always say that to Frank, you know, like, hey, Frank, back with Cincinnati, man, you played with, I mean, Jim Maloney, man, did he win 20 games? with Man, he was always the hard thrower, him and Drysdale and Koufax back then. And, and Frank would say, yeah, you know, and I'd say, hey, how do you fare? You know, I know you and Drysdale didn't get along and he'd hit you and, and uh, you know, and, and he, you know, then Frank would answer and goes, yeah, he goes, you know, I, you know, Koufax was tough too, he said, but, you know, the guy that, really gave me problems johnny he said was uh johnny padres because he had a great change up mm. he goes man he was really gave me problems and i went oh okay so then i told frank you know frank i was at the first game at dodger stadium ever and he looked at me he goes you were not and i said my dad it's the only time my dad took my brother and me out of school and we saw the first game ever played at chavez ravine and i said and you know what it was Dodgers against your Cincinnati Reds. And he looked at me and he goes, no, nah, you weren't there. And I went, Reds win six to four. Wally Post hits a home run to dead center. Wow. And he looks at me and he goes, I'll be damned. He goes, yeah. And so, so we're talking. So anyway, fast forward, we're on a road trip. We're in the, lo- in the clubhouse at Shea Stadium, which is just a crappy clubhouse. And the old trainer for the New York Knicks basketball team was a big baseball collector. And he's what we call in the game a fly. (laughs) You know, he just is always buzzing around players, trying to get autographs and stuff like that. And I never liked the guy when I was with the Brewers, so I'd never let the guy close to my players. Well, with the Expos, they were a little different, so they let the guy in and blah, blah, blah. So he dropped off some things to for, to get signed. And I'm like, I'm not getting these things signed for him. But the other trainer said, oh, I'll do it for him. And I said, whatever. So we're about to go out for batting practice. And uh, the other trainer says to uh, Frank, hey, Frank, I was just wondering, uh, could you sign these things, these pictures? And, you know, Frank is, I mean, he doesn't want anything to do with it. Frank kind of looks at him. He goes, let me see them. 
and the guy shows him, and it's old pictures of Frank. Wow. He's on the cover of like, you know, a baseball magazine from like 58 uh-huh. and pictures like that. So he looks at him and I can just see his eyes opening up. So he looks across him and he's like, wow. You know, in, in a Cincinnati old uniform, you know, with the sleeveless uniform. Right. So Frank signs him. And after he signs the last one, he, he takes a step because he's going to go out. You know, because he's got to go out for batting practice. He takes a step and he turns around and he looks at me and he goes, now that was a ball player. (laughs) (laughs) That's classic. Yeah, wasn't it? That's classic. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, you damn right that was. Wow. No, good times. Yeah, well, uh, thank you, John. And Jim. Oh, my pleasure. Well, thank you for having me and thinking about me. And uh, I'm glad uh, I was uh, able to meet you and uh, just be a little part of your show. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, really okay. appreciate it. And I've learned a lot. I know, uh, uh, although I would say that both you and Uncle Jim here, your, uh, your depth of knowledge of Brewers trivia isn't what I expected it. <laughs> I told you, yeah, I told you ahead of time. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? I'm trying to repress those days. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know shit about it. That's the problem. And I made my living 25 years as a sports writer here, and I don't know the first thing about it. Yeah. Those are good questions, though. But I've got one for you. I think Molitor holds the record for most ABs in a season. You know, in 82, I think in 82, you know how many at-bats he had? I think 750. No, really? Some guys don't get that in two years. Right. You can look that up. I I got here, single season leaders and records for at-bats was Jimmy Rollins. Yeah. Willie Wilson, Suzuki. Yeah, all leadoff hitters. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, well, look up 82 Brewers, um, ABs by Pauly. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'll let you guys go. Well, thank you very much for everything. Thank you, John, so much. Okay, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye.